Welcome, 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 welcome to the On to Something podcast. My name is Zane Witcher, and this podcast is for those in their 20s who are either walking in this first third of life or people who are walking with those who are in their first third of life. If you haven't caught already, we have an email list for you to be able to receive updates. Also, with this current series that we've been doing, you can also receive weekly challenges that also go with it. That's why we call it the Infinity Stone Challenge. Today, I'm going to get to talk about a topic that's kind of fun because I get to talk about it one-on-one, but I never get to talk about it very much on a large scale just with the nature of what I do. So today is kind of a condensed version of talking about work and also life pursuits. And this is a lot of conversations that have been combined into kind of seven reminders that I find very helpful today. So I hope you find it helpful as well. Let's go ahead and get started. I bet you may be familiar with what it's like to be the assistant to the regional manager. All right, so if this reference is lost on you, let me explain it for a minute. And uh, I don't know, bring you back to uh, the 2020s. So there's a show called The Office in which there is a character by the name of Dwight who works for this paper company. And basically, Dwight wants to be a leader. He plots, he schemes, he wants it badly, and sadly, he is anything but management material. But his boss, Michael Scott, which is played by Steve Carell, gives him the title, not the assistant regional manager, but calls him the assistant to the regional manager. And this is kind of the ongoing joke that they banter back and forth with all the time. As Michael reminds him, he is not the assistant manager. He is the assistant to the regional manager. And it has this moment of feeling insignificant every single time Dwight brings it up. Insignificant. Now, isn't that the word right now that we try to avoid like the plague when we're working with a team of people? Many people in the first third of life feel the ache of insignificance. And at times, I think the root desire for something of significance in our work can be unhealthy. Dwight's kind of the textbook case of grasping for power and status and wanting to be at the wheel at every single decision. I mean, He's the type of guy you wouldn't even want to hand your keys over to your storage unit, let alone the keys to an actual building with people in it. But most of the time, when we're looking to do something meaningful, it's because we want to contribute something to the world. In this episode, I, in some weird, very strange, didn't wake up this morning thinking I would ever say this way, want to be your Michael Scott. I want to be the person that reminds you of a couple of things that you need to be mindful of when navigating this first third of life and the job that you are taking on or the career that you're moving towards. I want to ask, can I be the person who reminds you of something about the work that you did, the work that you're doing right now, and the work that you're going to do. As embarrassed as I am to say this, as I look back on my first third of life that I've lived so far, I've found myself asking the questions in different jobs before of, you know, how do I grow while I'm not excited about what I do? 
how can I be and do something meaningful in this organization that I just got a job in? Or how do I even take my next step in my career when I don't even know what that next step is? Or, you know, quite frankly, if I see one of my friends or coworkers doing something, I ask myself, how can I do what I see them doing in the world? And if you've ever asked any of those questions, I want to remind you of seven things that I've picked up along the way. I promise to be your Michael Scott, I can be just as awkward, but hopefully contribute a little more wisdom than whatever he can when it comes to your current work. So if you've ever asked any of those questions, let's begin. Because the thing that you're looking for isn't power, but you're looking for empowerment. And there's seven things that we can remind ourselves when looking for that. Welcome to the Power Stone. All right, reminder number one, maybe the most crucial reminders out of all the reminders. Every day is full of potential. All right, so not to sound cliche or like Dr. Phil, but the glasses that you put on to walk around in the world and look at it are half the battle. Perspective is everything in the first third of life because it determines how you see everything that's going on in life. With our current situation, I know that work can kind of seem like all the work days begin to blur together. And when each day starts to lose significance in our hearts, this is when we need to focus on what our perspective is. The perspective that I find helpful is the one that the Hebrew scriptures give us in Genesis in particular, because it talks about the intention and design of a day. Now, when you get to the very beginning pages of the Bible, it talks about the intentions that go behind the creation of the backdrop that's told in Genesis 1, which is Eden, which the word Eden itself kind of means something along the lines of like delight. Now, the space of delight for humanity, there's a couple of key things about it. As Eden is being described, there's one of these really small details that seems kind of insignificant. Like, as the writer tells this, it is described that creation is full of gold, aromatic, raisin, and onyx. Which you have to be thinking, who even cares that the world would be made of those things? And it's John Mark Comer who actually revealed this to me on just how this actually small detail makes a massive statement to every detail that's in our lives. These elements are the richest and the rawest and the most helpful elements of building things at the time that this account was written. In other words, it's like this very beginning perspective of the world is trying to say in this small minute detail the world is full of potential, and it's meant to literally be tapped into. Every single day has potential. It has raw, rich, and helpful resources that are just waiting for us every single day. You as a creation on this creation has a world of possibilities in creating something, in making a movement, or being able to contribute to a culture. So what's my bottom line? It's the premise of this whole podcast. Every day you have potential for someone to say to you, wow, you are onto something. And the world is waiting for you to do something with it for the benefit of others. 
And the days of our lives were never meant to run together, but together we were meant to run into them feeling empowered. Have that perspective. Every day has potential. All right, reminder number two. Work is meaningful, not a means to an end. Work is meaningful, not a means to an end. Timothy Keller once said that when he's defining work, he defines it as the process and joy of rearranging raw materials in the world for the sake of the world. Now, thinking back to how Eden is described, this place of delight, there's two actions that take place each day that's described in the first week. Each existing day, the Creator God is doing extraordinary actions. And each day that humanity is existing is filled with ordinary actions. And these two actions, when they come together, it creates something beautiful and meaningful. Now, if we're honest, uh, we tend to flip the roles. Many of us get antsy when we don't feel like that we're doing something extraordinary with our lives. And, you know, if you were to ask me what my diagnosis of this is, I believe that we're we're sipping just on too much Disney narrative in our life that we were all meant to do something special. And trust me, that hurts me deeply because I'm an avid fan of Disney. Disney, if you're listening to this, let's bring out Incredibles 3 as soon as possible. Now, don't get me wrong. We are all unique and no one has walked the world exactly in the same unique way that you have walked in your shoes. But the word special implies importance over another though. And that's problematic ultimately because we're kind of like fingerprints. Actually, we are fingerprints. Each one of us is unique, but no one fingerprint is better than another. Trust me, I've seen you make an omelet. There is nothing that is amazing about you. At best, you're probably working average on most things that you do. But what's my point with this? You do not need to feel the pressure to do something big in life. An extraordinary life is full of ordinary actions in life. If Genesis teaches us anything, that delight isn't about big outcomes and fulfilling our days with big items, but is being faithful to the things that are set before us. As my boy Jefferson Bethke once said, you need to focus on being faithful to what's before you. If God wants to do something big with you, great. But a lot of times, We ruin for ourselves the day-to-day delight that we can experience because we're always looking ahead to wanting to do something big. And if we look ahead enough, at some point, we'll be left to only look behind us at what we've already missed. Work each day is our simple joy in and of itself. All right, reminder number three. Meaningful action in the world requires authority and influence. Now, when I think of this statement, I think of a conversation that I had that looking back, I still can't believe I slammed my fist on the table as soon as I heard I was receiving this promotion. Now, I know that's not what you would expect the type of reaction to be with an announcement that came with news like that, but the reaction came out of what news an announcement came with it, or better said, the lack of announcement that came with it. When I got promoted once in one of my jobs, one of the things that I was told was that my title would not be announced to everyone. It was going to stay internal. And I remember getting so upset over hearing that news. And I believe now looking back, one of the reasons I got so upset 
was because I leaned too much on authority and not enough on influence. Andy Crouch labels authority just as simply the ability and responsibility to cause action in the world. So every job in some ways holds a little bit of authority. You are the person that's asked to make some sort of change. But the major assumption that people make in the first third of life is that authority and influence come together, which is a rookie mistake. If I were to define influence, I'd define it this way. Influence is clout, it's investment, and it's trust to cause action in some way or some form. And this is a huge key to remember, especially for many of us who are walking through the first third of life, because this can blind us towards growth. And I can say that because I was blind to it in so many roles before the one that I'm in now. Here's the bottom line. Titles are overrated. Sure, they may get your foot in the door somewhere, but they do not empower you to do something once you're actually in the room with a group of people. Authority does not intuitively come with influence. Influence comes with investment. So things of investment and influence are like, when's the last time that you've helped a coworker on their project for the sake of just their benefit and their project? When's the last time you've invested in another department or you've asked about the life of the other people that are beside you? When's the last time that you've contributed to an idea that helped build trust and credibility, not because it was your role, just because you believe in the organization that you work for? All of these different actions are ways that you build influence. Don't spend your day working on authority. What do you get to say and what do you not get to say? What do you get to make a call on, not make a call on? Spend your days investing in people, in teams, and ideas. And influence will always go further than you could even predict. All right, reminder number four, walk around in other people's shoes. In the teams that I lead, there's a phrase that I listen for that automatically, every time I hear it, tells me that this person is not in a position or posture for growth. And here's the phrase right here. When I hear the phrase someone say, not my job, not my problem, or not my role, not my responsibility. I hear this all the time from people that are in the first third of life. Now, is there a seed of statement that may be true in this? Absolutely, yes. The buck does not stop with you. So in some ways, a role or something that's happening that isn't directly aligned with your job, sure, it's not going to happen. But one of the best ways to grow into new positions or new jobs, and this is so important, one of the best ways to do this is constantly walk in the shoes of people who are in different roles than you. And here's what I mean by that. The more you become a leader, the less time you're going to spend doing tasks and the more time you're going to spend solving problems. That's what leadership is. It is using the skills of problem solving to help move a group of people or an idea from point A to point B, which problem solving is a skill, and skill takes practice. And one of the best things you can do, especially if you find yourself at the bottom of an organizational chart, is to personally consider and reflect how you would solve problems for the people who work beside you or work above you. First, this is just going to help you with the skill and also give you a litmus test of how you could do 
as a leader yourself. Hopefully it gives you an indicator of you could be like, I think this is how I would handle this. And you watch a person handle it and say, oh, well, that went really well and that agreed with what I said. Or, oh, I would have taken that a totally different direction and everything would have been on fire. Second, what it does is, is that strong leaders or desperate leaders from time to time will ask others what they think about problems. And if you've already thought through someone else's problem, you can voice a recommendation if you're ever asked or put on the spot to talk about it. I can't tell you how crucial if I could if I could just coach people all day in their first experience with a job. The number one thing I would say is be aware, be aware of the different problems and think about how you would solve them because you never know when you may be asked or fall into a conversation where you could share your idea. Once again, this is where influence comes in more than authority. And here's a really small note. This isn't a guarantee, but this is just a note. If you do this enough, when your boss reaches a point where they're asking, who's prepared to handle this project or this new position that's coming down the pipe? Who do you think they're going to think of? There's a chance that they'll think of you. And why is that? Because if you're prepared in conversation, you may just be one of the best people prepared to take action. All right, reminder number five. Find yourself staring as much as possible. Okay, so this may have been a philosophy in middle school, but I want you to adopt this now into a later part of life. Find yourself staring as much as possible. I get it. Many of you had to take the first job that had the right dollar amount per hour for you to feed your Pop-Tart addiction. Look, I'm not here to judge. I've been there with you. Or you had to take the only job that seemed available at the time. I get it. The first job is usually not the job that you want. One of the things I coach to those who find themselves in this type of situation, stare, 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 and stare. Not the stares, the staring of something or someone. If you're hoping to get into another field, a degree, or a position, it's helpful to spend a lot of time staring. But you need to stare at the right something or someone. For better or for worse, I can put it like this. You are a mirror. Whoever you watch and follow and imitate is who you will reflect on with your life. Which, by the way, this is why we put practices and rhythms. This is why you can never tell me that ring scripture every morning is legalistic. What it is is it's realistic. It helps you reflect who you're designed to be. But when you're hoping to do something that's way out of your everyday, the best thing to do is stare at the person who is doing it in the most meaningful and healthy and admirable ways. Follow them. Now, on social media, not in person, you creeper. Follow them, though. Get on an email list. Ask for coffee. Ask who they listen or read to. All these are ways of staring, and you might never know what may rub off on you when you stare. Reminder number six, focus on you and not the who. All right, so let me share with you my number one filter when I am discovering a leader. I'll give you a hint. It never starts with someone who says, I want to be a leader. Ain't wrong. When I'm looking for a leader to either hire or ask to be on a team, I'm immediately looking for the person 
who's working hard to lead themselves. So often when people want to lead, they think that they need to start doing leader-esque things or they need to get in positions of leadership. And they concern themselves with asking, where am I the person that's leading right now and who is following? I think there's a simpler way, a healthier way to go about this. Leadership starts with working on you. If you want transformation to happen, it starts with doing the transforming things for yourself. And as you experience transformation, you begin to want the same transformation for others. And that is where we get to the true definition of leadership. Andy Crouch, which is my homie at this point, if you haven't caught on to that, defines leadership as someone who's more concerned about the flourishing of others than anything else. And one of the ways this manifests itself with the people that I serve is I tend to tell leaders, leadership is not telling people what God wants them to do. Leadership is telling others what God is doing to you. You see the flip there? It's the flip of saying, lead out of the transformation and the hard work that you're setting before yourself, not for other people. And number seven, the final one, here's some confetti for you. Here's the thing. You don't need power. You need empowerment. Any desire to call shots and to be in the big times and to be known and be famous, it's not worth your time. To seek growth, to have new types of power, is to add unnecessary stress in your life that ultimately will lead to a very dry well. It's not that you need more power than what you have right now. What you need in the first third of life is to appreciate this season. Be faithful to the small things. Learn from others. And my goodness, stop trying to go for what looks the best, but find a safe place to practice your skills in doing things that you've never done before. It's all about perspective and posture. Focus less and less on power, and you might never be able to guess the ways that God, the creator of the universe, may be empowering you today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the power stone. And this is the fifth episode of all six of the Infinity Stones that are coming down the pipe. Hey, just want to drop a reminder that if these have been helpful or if you found one great, it is always really helpful to either subscribe or just rate the podcast or even better is if you give it a mention on social media. All of those help us in tracking and going with this project in the future. So if you just take a second for that, we would greatly appreciate Like we said, there's an email list to be able to hop on. You can go to our Instagram bio on the Onto Something pod, and you can enter your email, and you can receive updates. We promise it won't be like a LinkedIn email list. It will only happen occasionally in your life and not every other second. Until next week, everyone, may you remember that you are on to something.